Hey, everybody. Welcome to Surf Break, your unofficial San Diego Wave podcast that's officially your favorite. My name is Christian Conway. I'm joined by my co-host, Jamie Bacon. Hey, what's up, guys? So happy to be here. Our first episode. It's exciting. And we have actual soccer to talk about this weekend. The Challenge Cup returns. What a phenomenal event it was over the past two years. And we're a part of it now. San Diego is a part of it now. It's so exciting. They play Angel City FC in their first game in club history. You'll be there. I'm going to try and make it there. I mean, what a moment. Hey, you know what? I'll never forget those Challenge Cup moments uh, in, uh, in Utah. I'll never forget the playground. I'll never forget the Twitter. Uh, the playground made a Twitter. All that stuff. Challenge Cup is fun. I really like Challenge Cup. You know, it gave us Challenge Cup gave us what we needed in a time when we couldn't have a full season. So now I'm excited that we get to kick off the season with Challenge Cup and with our very own team. And it it does feel like it's a bit of I I think a lot of the discourse I've seen is that it feels like this overgrown preseason tournament. But I'm actually kind of happy because I I, when we were doing our preseason prep for the Galaxy, I remember thinking these games really just don't feel fun they just feel like uh, touchstone moments we have to endure this feels fun because it's a tournament there's a there's a trophy there's you know so much at stake and you know I know there's some teams and, and we've read articles about how some teams are treating it you know punting it like a, a preseason tournament but I, I I hope the San Diego Wave kind of take this moment and really stamp their authority and let NWSL know their intention for the upcoming season it's, it's one of those things where it means nothing, but at the same time, it means everything. You know, like you can look at teams like, like Courage and, and uh, uh, Portland and teams that have been there and won, the, won everything and stuff like that. But for a lot of these teams coming in, younger teams, you're looking at, you know, us, obviously, uh, Angel City, um, even with all the moves that the, that the Kansas city team has made, they were in Kansas city and then they were in Utah and then they're in Kansas city. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that have a lot to play for it, whether or not it's preseason or, or, or actual season, you know, you know, every game means something. And they're just, it's exciting to see that um, San Diego is here and we're ready to make a name for ourselves. And we're going to come out charging and just say, Hey, we're the real deal. Yeah, I, I, I like the point that you make about teams being able to use this tournament to kind of reinvent themselves. I, I point to, to Louisville, who, you know, had such a nightmare opening season that, excuse me, this opportunity for them to, to really reinvent themselves as a club. And then you're talking about Angel City and San Diego joining the league and, and their, their chance to stamp their identity, their authority, their... their what are they meant to be in a setting that isn't necessarily as competitive as say the regular season? I think that is, it's, it's for a team that I think that San Diego wants to be, this is such a great opportunity to go out there in kind of a low pressure situation and just show, define who you are. And I think that is a really exciting thing to do and a really exciting place to be right now as a fan of, of this team. And as a fan of the league, I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about the NWSL and, and I know you and I are both MLS fans and, and we lived through a lot of years where um, it didn't look like it was going to happen. It looked like the league might crumble, but 
you know, and NWSL has gone through those years and, and, you know, considering the off season that NWSL had, I think it's, it's oddly super exciting to be at the, at the start of this season, because it just feels like we're on the cusp of such an amazing period of growth for the women's game in this country. I'm excited to be around it. I mean, just even seeing three teams in two years, right? Like Louisville joining the league last year and having two teams in California join this year, like just, just the fact that the league is growing aside from there's a team that I'm already in love with and obsessed with, right? Like just watching the league grow makes my heart so happy because I, I, I love soccer. I love soccer. I love MLS. I love premier league, you know, I a world cup, all that stuff, but watching the women play, it's just so much different for me um, as a woman specifically, but just, you know, like being able to think back to uh, like the 99ers, you know, the ones who really like, laid groundwork for for this to even be something that could happen in 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 our time it's just incredible like I, I remember every moment of of those important world cup games where I was and what I was doing and I was in high school and now I get to watch this every week every weekend it's incredible I I it just blows my mind that that this is something that I get to watch on tv that's not, I mean, we can go back to uh, talk about TV deals that are coming, you know, and stuff like that. But like, just that I get to watch this week in and week out and support a club in my area, you know, and be able to take the train, go down to San Diego. I'm yeah, guys, I'm a, I'm in Orange County. I'm between the two teams and I chose San Diego because I'm going to follow my heart here. It's a better city than LA. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, galaxy. Sorry, galaxy. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm shocked. You're still a Premier League fan after Manchester United's recent results. Um, but I, um, I, <laughs> I'm not a champions league fan anymore. I'm just a Manchester United. fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Atletico looking for I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but um, anyway, Manchester, Manchester United's women's team is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And, and we have a connection there. Casey Stoney, head coach of the uh, San Diego wave, former head coach of Manchester United women uh, left because of a lack of ambition uh, from the Manchester United owners of the women's club and, you know, to San Diego's benefit uh, San Diego. Uh, I'd follow, I'd follow Stoney anywhere. I love her. <laughs> Uh, the San Diego Wave have announced their roster. Uh, there's uh, the three goalkeepers, Carly Telford, Kaylin Sheridan, Melissa Loader. Your defenders, Abidal Kemper, Kristen Westfall, Kaylee Real, Kayla Brewster, Mia Gao, uh, Naomi Gurma, uh, Taylor Hansen, and Tegan McGrady. The midfielders, Bella Brida, Elmalie Van Egmond, Kelsey Turnbow, Kristen McNabb, Sydney Pulver, and Taylor Kareniak. In the forward line, Alex Morgan, Amira Ali, Jody Taylor, Katie Johnson, Mackenzie Doniak, Marlene Shimmer, and Sophia Jakobsen, uh, of course, coached by uh, Casey Stoney. You look at the names in there. I mean, these are names that, you know, Emily Van Egmond, uh, Sophia Jakobsen, I point to, of course, Alex Morgan. These are names that do carry a certain level of international import that I think um, really kind of leads me to be very positive about this season coming up because, you know, they didn't just go out and get, you know, one or two names. They got consistently good international names and really use the international market to their benefit. And I think, you know, we, we joked a lot in the preseason, right, about, you know, well, are they ever going to sign a midfielder? Well, you know, you look at, for example, I point to Sophia Jakobsen, you know, 
players that can can do both. And I think this is a very exciting lineup that blends a lot of very good international talent with a lot of very exciting young you know players. I, of course, Naomi Gear my number one pick, but I point to Caleb Brewster, who I was fascinated by in the draft. Um, I think this is this is a very fantastic blend of players. I mean, our forward line is stacked. Like, it's just incredible being being an expansion team, seeing a a, a a line of forwards like that. Like, that blows my mind. I really love it. I'm excited about it. But overall, I'm just really excited about the entire roster. I mean, you and I have talked about before um, the amount of players that have come from Orlando Pride. Uh, so, you know, you already have like, what, like four or five, maybe six players that already have some sort of chemistry together that can just help build off chemistry with other players. And, um, you know, and then you have Abby and, and Alex who have played together at the national level. Um, you know, it's just, it's just really exciting to see what is happening here and just, um, just watching from the social media, you know, uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of play obviously but just watching what they did with the uh inner club play the other day watching some of that um it really looks like it really really looks like the women are are gelling well together and and that it's going to be something really exciting to watch going forward yeah i agree it, it looks like a complete group like and i think you see it in the instagram posts and of course i, I think social media is a very when you're when you were trying to diagnose a team using social media posts is an imperfect science, shall we say, um, because a social media. Right. Is, you post your best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your job is to make the team look good. But I do, I do look at this group and it does feel like they are, they're having fun. And I think that for a team, especially in an expansion year, which I mean, we've, you know, you and I've been MLS fans for forever. When you know, I, when you watch an expansion team, it's kind of the concern is always, Oh no, what's this going to look like this season? I don't think that's going to happen with San Diego. I, re I really don't. I mean, I look at, you know, just the way this, this, this defense is going to be built. They're not going to be, you know, they're going to be no nonsense. They're going to get the spine right first and then let everything fall in. And I think that's fine considering the amount of attacking talent they have. I mean, Jody Taylor, the experience she has, I mean, it's a brilliantly smart signing and, you know, she's not going to play however many games, 36 or whatever it is, but having that experience and that, that know-how in the locker room and the bench teaching the younger players, I think is, is so important. And you look at Sophia Jakobsen, I mean, her work in the, uh, the Olympics, uh, what was it last year? It speaks for itself. I mean, we saw how good Sweden was in that, in that tournament. I think the most interesting, I don't want, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I'm willing to be critical of my own national team at times. Um, oh, she was a nightmare for us, but oh, yeah. God bless her for being on San Diego. I think uh, I was, I was in 2000, 2019, when I was at the Women's World Cup, I somehow got free tickets to the semifinal between uh, Sweden and the Netherlands. And we're in the concourse at halftime. And I, I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, I was asked, you know, by an American fan, who would I rather play? And I said, of course, I want to play the Netherlands. And I said, and the guy said, why? And I said, I pointed to Sevilla Jakobsen and said, I don't want to deal with that. You know, like, and of course, two years later, 100%. look what happened. Um, I, I think the most interesting question for me in this roster is who is the starting goalkeeper? Because I think you and I, when they signed Kalen Sheridan from Gotham, you and I both kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, they're going to sign, you know, maybe a younger goalkeeper to learn under her. But, you know, with Stephanie LeBay stepping out of the Canada number one job, she's obviously the number one for Canada. 
we all kind of thought that she was going to be the number one, but then they went out and signed Carly Telford from Chelsea. And now I'm thinking there might actually be competition here for the number one goalkeeper. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see on that first day on, on Saturday, who lines up in goal first, because I do think there is a, a battle for the number one keeper position. So for me, uh, with the challenge cup, I won't put much stock in who starts, uh, who starts in goal in goal. Um, I think, you know, they're going to alternate them. They're going to give them all the experience and the, and, and the time that they need. Um, I know it's hard and we've talked about it before. We talked about it before, but I honestly think that Sheridan will be the number one, but it's, it's tough. I mean, she makes, she makes any mistakes. I mean, Telford's right there. Telford is such a great keeper. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say, but for me, I think, I think Kaylin Sheridan is the number one right now. Um, And that's going off of absolutely nothing than what, reading a roster and social media and NWSL prowess. I don't know. Um, I think Sheridan is probably our number one, but I wouldn't be shocked if Telford uh, somehow takes it over. I don't know. They're, they're both so incredible. It's, it's really, really close. So I, I agree, you know, the, the NWSL prowess and the, the know-how that Sheridan possesses, I think is, is compelling, but Looking at the way that Casey Stoney's kind of built this roster, she looks for people that are experienced just in terms of age and been there kind of moments. So again, I I I would not be shocked if if Carly Telford assumes the number one role and you know maybe has a season or two and then and Kaylin Sheridan kind of then assumes that role, learning from a, a keeper that's a little more experienced, I think, than she is. But I it gets to this point that I think they've done a very good job of creating competition at every position and I I believe that you know for every good team in the world we talk a lot about you know the next person up but we also talk about you know in training and whatever that competition breeds a certain starting 11 that understands as you said you know one mistake and you're out and I think I look at that you know the, the, the defense but I look at that forward line too I mean there's a lot of good in that forward line and there's a lot of kind of precocious talent. I mean, I, I point to Katie Johnson and Mackenzie Doniak, uh, especially Katie Johnson, who, you know, if, if Alex Morgan doesn't really perform, which, you know, she had a couple of rough years in Orlando. I don't, I don't think, you know, dealing with injury and then, you know, obviously, you know, the pregnancy and then, but she also didn't score a lot of goals when she was healthy. She's going to need a couple of big years here. And I think that's where I'm, I, I, I'm impressed with this roster build because they built in competition at every position. And everyone, I think, knows your place in the starting 11 isn't guaranteed. And especially a manager like Casey Stoney, who's no nonsense. And I, I know she's been kind of, uh, I guess, trying to, to, to calm it down. She was quoted, um, number one, I'm not naive. We're an expansion team. We're coming in new. We're building relationships. So the Challenge Cup for us is about developing our team and getting to know those relationships on the pitch in a competitive environment. Also getting to know our opposition because a lot of the opposition now have uh, new head coaches, how are they going to play? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How can we exploit? So it's a bit of a discovery cup for us, if I'm honest. I, I still I still think they're going to be competitive, but there's a, a lot of players have a lot of ground to lose, if that makes sense. Right. Like, absolutely. And going back to, you know, Sheridan and Telford, I think, uh, I mean, just the, the goalkeeper position in general, 
um, the competition is going to be really tight, but I think the person who benefits the most is going to be louder because louder is going to be under these two, just studying and learning and waiting in the wings and, and her time will come for sure. Um, you know, it might be a couple of years or whatever, or it might be learning now and, and moving on to another club, but I'm excited to see like what growth she has under two of these, uh, incredible players and then as far as Alex Morgan she's gonna shine she's gonna shine this year she's coming home she's home uh you know husband is I guess retired who really knows he's like he's stay-at-home dad at this point but uh you I know like she's Alex home she's Servando <laughs> Carrasco yeah uh that um anyway <laughs> No, I really do. I think, you know, I think she has a lot to play for. She's home now. She's happy. She's in California. She's close to her family. You know, she's where she wants to be. And I think that that's going to bring a lot to the mental game. Um, you know, playing far from home. And I know Florida's not that far as if she was in England or whatever, but just being away from home and family can make a big difference in someone's mental game. And, you know, we saw a little bit of that in, um, in the Olympics, when when families couldn't travel because of COVID regulations and whatnot, we saw our players struggle a little bit mentally here and there. And I think this um, this is a big thing, you know, when players get to come home and play where they want to be, it's awesome. And you know, I don't want to take away from anyone else on the team who isn't from Southern California because obviously, you know, everyone has their own battles, but. Um, as people who have watched Alex Morgan go through a lot over the years, I'm happy. I'm very happy where she is. And I'm very excited to see her play and don't be shocked when I have an Alex Morgan Jersey. I think this is a big season for Alex Morgan. I think, you know, after a couple of seasons where, you know, obviously she, she wanted to get out of Orlando. She did. And Orlando basically had a fire sale and anything that wasn't strapped down by, you know, a nail was sold in this off season. Um, I, I think I know we got like five of them. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then of course, I mean, we talked about, you know, Ali Krieger and, 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 and them moving and whatever have you Ashlyn Harrison and Ali Krieger moving. I, I think this is a big year for Alex Morgan, because I think when we talk about certain players in NWSL and we talk about the U S women's national team, there is a certain expectation around those players. And I understand you know, they brought, they brought her in to be the face of this team. I mean, she is absolutely the same way that angel city brought in Kristen press. That is the face, the bot that, you know, the quote unquote heart and soul of the team right there. But I'd almost argue Alex Morgan is bigger. And I, and I, I just based that off, you know, kind of conversations I've had with people that, you know, Alex Morgan is easily more recognizable. And maybe it's because, you know, the male gaze is weird and all of that. But I think long, well, I think also longevity, the amount of caps she has, the amount of goals she has, you know, she was always that, um, quickest to a hundred. She was a, she, she was a flashier player for a while. Um, please don't hate me people. I do think Kristen press is a better forward overall, but I'm very happy to have Alex Morgan on our team. Um, and, and, and even if we're going to keep going with us, uh, players, like even Abby Dahlkemper, you know, she has really made a name for herself in the defense for, for our squad. Um, 
for the U.S. national squad. And she's had some injury battles uh, of late, but, you know, I'm excited to see what she's going to also do for us, you know, just holding down that national, national face, like for the club kind of thing. I think, I think Alex Morgan out of all this team has the most to gain and the most to lose. I think, you know, her time in Orlando was a little difficult. Um, I thought her time in Orlando was a little unsatisfying. Um, And, you know, I think, you know, she can get a good couple of seasons where it's maybe, you know, we're not at, you know, I think looking at that forward line, it's, it's one of those weird things where she doesn't have to put up like 25 goals in a season. She can put up, you know, 12, 13 or 15, and it's going to be fine. Um, because just the rest of that forward line is going to get enough goals between themselves to, to really kind of cover. And she's also going to be playing with Sophia Jakobsen, who I think is, is fantastic. And I think that's really going to provide her with a lot of opportunities. And the thing about Alex Morgan is I think, you know, maybe I think we miscast Alex Morgan. And I think in a lot of respects, because in 2019, she was deployed by Jill Ellis as kind of this, this forward that was just this battler forward. She was, I mean, I'm I, I, I hate to compare her to another or to a male player, but it was almost the Josie Altidore role, which was just mm. get kicked, take fouls, win a second balls and go to ground. A, it yeah. was a, it was a go to ground player. Yeah. G- give us opportunities. And I, I thought she did that very well. I mean, you know, you, we talk about the game against, um, against England. I mean, she got beaten up in that game. I mean, it was brutal to watch. Um, but I, I do think, um, you know, there's, this is a weird season for U.S. Women's National Team players in general in the NWSL because of what Vladko said in one of his press conferences around the She Believes Cup. I can't remember which one. I think it was the first one where he said, there's certain players that think that they have a right to the national team. I want players that are playing at the club level and doing well at the club level. That's a shot across the bow to a couple of older players in the national team squad. I think we can both agree on that. Uh, we won't name names, but we both are thinking probably the same handful of names. Exactly. I think Alex needs a big season this year in order to kind of re like, cause you know, Flacco's come in and basically said, I don't really know a lot of you and I need to get to know you prove it to me that, you know, you're worth my time. And so I think, you know, for Abby Delcomper and, and we know what she's been dealing with the back injury, back injuries are weird, horrible things. I suffer from one. They're not fun. Alex they Morgan. flare up at any moment. Like yeah. there's really, you could bend over to pick up laundry and all of a sudden you're like, I'm out for six months. I, th- I think Alex Morgan needs to have a really big year this year. I think just, you know, between the expectations at club level and the expectations at national team level, I think she's got to go big. And I, I, I hope she does. And, and, you know, me saying that it's not me rooting against a player. It's me saying more just like, I want to see them achieve that moment. Um, I also look at, you know, in terms of players that face some level of national team pressure, we know Sophia Jakobsen is safe in her national team position. I, oh yes, Sweden would be ridiculous to not include her outside of you know maybe like a training squad. Um, but I look at Emily Van Egmond um, in a World mm. Cup in a World Cup year, and I, I know it's going to be twenty twenty three, but we're basically close enough that we're in the site. We're in a World Cup year. We're in World. the cycle. We are in the qualifying. We're in the cycle at right. this point. I think she, you know, she could be primed for a big year simply because I, I can't imagine a national team player that looks at a home World Cup and, and doesn't say, I want all of that. I want to be a starting 11 player, you know, and it's a young, interesting Australia squad. And I think she could really earn her spot in that midfield. And I think having a good season with San Diego really could give her that. And I think 
I think she's primed for a huge year. She's another one of the players when I'm con- when I'm asked by people, you know, who am I looking at on this roster? Emily Van Eggman is is up there in my list because I think she's got a real opportunity to cement herself in the Australian national team through playing for the wave. No, I definitely agree. And like going back to, you know, Alex Morgan can score, you know, 15, 20 goals tops, whatever, it doesn't matter because of the rest of the squad. It's like, I look at the midfield and I, I think it should be easy for all of our forwards to score these goals. I mean, our midfield looks good. I mean, even looking at like, I mean, I'm coming through like Taylor Kriniak from coming out of Orlando. Like, I don't know, like everyone on our freaking team looks so good right now on paper to me. I'm just like, I'm so excited for Saturday. Like you have no idea. I, I already bought my gear. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I, I don't I, care how tired I am from the morning game that I'm going to. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting time. And it's I, I agree with you that I think this midfield, I, I do question the one thing I also question, and, and this is kind of the running joke for a lot of the early parts of the drafts and uh, whatever have you was, oh, well, San Diego is just going to play with a bunch of forwards and have no midfielders. I wonder if Naomi Gurma's long-term position is center back and it's not defensive midfielder. I, I, I think, yeah, I, I look at the defensive cover in that midfield kind of line and I think it might be that they saw that and that's why they went for her instead of uh, Jalen Howell, which I think we all were a little surprised by. Um, I think maybe they, you know, Galaxy, Jill Ellis and her Galaxy brain thought, you know, well, we're all kind of thinking Earth brain you know, kind of thought, okay, I can actually see her at defensive midfielder, which, I mean, Jill Ellis has done before with players. You know, Julie Ertz is the, the prime example of that. It's, it's worked once before. Maybe we're going to run it back one more time. I mean, who knows? Like, Jill Ellis, for all the issues I've had with her in the past, she has one of the best soccer brains in the game. Yeah, I, I, I think she's a great GM. I don't think she's a good coach. I think she's very good at managing personalities though. Yeah. Which I think in this roster, considering the amount of uh, international experience and, you know, a a couple of players that do hold a very high regard positions with their national teams, I think that's going to be incredibly useful. And also, I mean, her Rolodex of being able to call upon, I don't think Casey Stoney comes to the NWSL if it isn't for Jill Ellis. I, I, I firmly don't. Jody Taylor, I don't think comes to San Diego if it isn't for Jill Ellis. You know, I, I think Alex Morgan doesn't come to San Diego if it isn't for Jill Ellis. I think, you know, her ability Well, to- Alex Morgan is a different story. I think she would still have come because it's coming home. And you knew that Angel City wasn't going to get her and Kristen Press. It was going to be a split. I, that's, that's, I, I can see that. I, I, I would have erred on- it would be closer to Manhattan uh, th- Beach and, you know, that whole entire thing. I, I can understand that position. I, I just think she would have found L.A. to be a little bit more appealing. But, you know. Right. But Kristen Press was announced, like, how long? Six months? A year before? You know, so yeah. I, I think at that point, it was it was almost guaranteed we were either getting Alex or outside of Abby. We were getting somebody else who was a... Uh, who was a bigger name. I mean, nothing against Abby Dahlkemper. She's a, she is a big name in the U S women's 
uh, camp, but when it comes to a face of a team, um, Alex was the grab. You have to have grabbed. You'd have to have grabbed somebody else like like Tobin Heath, or you know, you'd have to have grabbed somebody with like a bigger. I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. A bigger, but, a bigger um, pull in the American soccer community. The fan base, the fan yeah. base, yes. I yes. mean, center, center backs um, never make the highlight reel, so unless it's an own goal, unless so. unless your name is Becky. Oh, true. Uh, and and <laughs> and the the Tobin Heath rumors are still alive. I will just say I've I've, I've seen a little bit of smoke around that fire. Um, so. I wouldn't be shocked, but also um, for other reasons, wouldn't be shocked if she went to the other team. I mean, we and we'll just leave those reasons there. I, I, Tobinia is still one of the most talented players I've ever seen, and I would be over the moon to have her on. Um, I think you know. It's weird to try and break down what's going to happen this upcoming weekend simply because we haven't really seen a lot of footage about how these teams are going to play. Um, I There's a fantastic uh, aggregator uh, from England that broke down Casey Stoney in the way that she wants to play. Basically, I will give kind of the long and short of that. Uh, they, they're looking to use the ball. Um, they, they look to use the outside backs to leverage moments of transition. The midfielders, especially the spine of Casey Stoney's teams, is incredibly critical. Um, and she likes her forwards to be very industrious, likes to play in those half spaces and attack those half spaces and then turn those into goals. Uh, I listened to an interview with Freya Coom earlier this week. Um, and mm-hmm. Freya Coom talked a lot about possession. She said possession is the basis of everything we do. Uh, they expect something a little Barcelona light about it, but I I, again, I, I get into this. Okay. Ta- I get into this tactical weeds all the time, um, where I think teams nowadays focus on verticality. She talked a lot. She used the word verticality a lot. So I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup. I think San Diego, in terms of roster, is a little more complete than Angel City right now. Um, but the I, the the one thing that I think Angel City can really leverage is that that hype and that you know that just the the ownership group and the branding and whatever. And I think, you know, San Diego doesn't necessarily have that, but, you know, I look at that, uh, that roster. I mean, well, not to be a total, not to be a total jerk, but they were like a two year marketing campaign with no soccer ambition. And we were a full blown soccer ambition and then a marketing campaign. So that's what, that's what I think this gets interesting is because, I think that this this what this will be a rivalry. I think there's no question about that in my head. I don't think there's any question. Oh, about absolutely. That. Obviously, you know, I I live in San Diego. I'm a Padres fan. The Padres Dodgers rivalry. Any team from LA is never welcome in San Diego. Um, but I live I live right in the middle, and you know, I drew my line. I spend more time in San Diego with you than I do in LA outside of Galaxy games, and um, yeah, Orange County. We don't really have a home as far as sports outside of you know the angels and the ducks so uh oh sorry shout out uh ocsc (laughs) but but i look at this this uh angel city roster and i mean there's a lot to like but it it does just feel a little it it feels a little incomplete and and you know i I point to players like ali riley i point to you know junendo i point to Mm -hmm. tyler lucy who i think is is horribly underrated and, and maybe deserves a chance at the national team. Uh, obviously Kristen press speaks for herself. 
Um, Alison Swaby, who impressed me with her work with the Jamaican national team. Um, but it does feel like there's, there's, it, I don't know. I, I, I think it's very fascinating to look at the way the two clubs built each other, right? Like you talk about Angel City and you talked about the, you know, the, the two-year marketing campaign and then soccer was added on versus San Diego, which announced Jill Ellis as its first, we didn't know we had a San Diego team until they said, Hey, we're the San Diego, you know, San Diego wave. And we have Jill Ellis as our president of operations. Like it's just, it's very two different ways of, of looking at building a club. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out in the sense that, you know, how does this look on the field? And I think that's going to be really, really fascinating to see um, over the, over not just this challenge cup and the regular season, but the coming years and um, all of that. Yeah. I think, you know, just, it'll be interesting to see um, like you said, how both play out, like how they, they play out up North Um you know, how they started the impressive like ownership group and whatnot. And, and if that really um, keeps people engaged and excited, uh, depending on play on the field, because we have seen, you know, impressive ownership groups and then lack of results kind of lose fans. Um, so, you know, depending on how they do on the field, we'll see how that continues to go. And then just the other way where our club announced, Ellis and Stoney before we ever had a player, you know, and, and uh, I think doll Kemper was our first announcement ever. And it'll be interesting just overall to see how the two very, very different things continue over the years. And if they continue in the way that they started. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is going to be, I'm, I'm excited. I'm just so excited. Like, I think, you know, we've been waiting for so long for this to just get started. And I, I was, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, we're, we're fans of respective men's clubs where they were well-established. We knew what they were when we became fans. It's incredible to be on the front end of this, if that makes sense. Like it's so exciting to be uh, watching. A day our- one, a very yeah, beginning. Exactly. And I think this is going to be uh, an incredible affair. Um, I'm running a 5k that morning and hopefully I will uh, rest up and make it up there because I think, uh, I mean, you got to be there for your club's first game, right? Absolutely. And I'm just excited to, you know, pun, pun fully intended, ride the wave, <laughs> you know, just ride it, ride it from day one and see where we go. And Hey, if we're awesome and we win stuff, I'm going to be excited. If we're terrible and we don't, I'll still be here because I believe I believe in what is being built and whether it takes a year or 10 years, I'm here for it. And uh, I'll podcast with you as long as you want to podcast. Well, I'm, I'm excited to, to start this. Um, We'll, we'll be talking, of course, the San Diego wave. Uh, We'll talk some U.S. women's national team. We'll talk uh, the women's game in general, NWSL, um, maybe some legal MX, you know, feminine, some whatever is the pertinent stories of the day on the women's side. Uh, This is your place. Um, So thank you for joining us on our first episode. This is so exciting. Thank you for joining me, Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, Instagram, 
Um, I think that's all the socials we have right now, right? <laughs> we are on Twitter and Instagram as uh, at SurfBreakPod. Um, on iTunes, please give us five stars, like, and subscribe. Uh, it helps us find awesome people like you. And uh, we're excited to be the unofficial voice of the community. Um, we're excited to be the unofficial San Diego Wave pod, uh, podcast that is officially your favorite. My name is Christian Conway. My co-host is Jamie Bacon. Guys, have a great day. We can't wait to see you. Thank you so much.